Awesome. Good morning. Great to have you here on this uh, summer day of October. Yeah, it's crazy, but I'm not going to complain. Um, anyway, thanks for being here. Uh, I've, I've been asked already to pray for the Padres today. Uh, so, if, you know, just let me know who else you want me to, you know, evidently somebody was praying for the Mariners yesterday. Yeah, that was uh, nice in the beeves last night. Um, <laughs> a bunch of duck fans. <laughs> oh, I love it. Anyway, I love this time of year. Um, thanks for being here. And I hope, you know, after I'm done talking about what I'm going to talk about today, you'll still be glad to be here. Um, you know, it's not the one, you know, years ago, back when um, television wanted to know, okay, are we going to keep this show on or not? They'd have what was called Sweeps Week. Remember this? This idea? If you remember it, you know, you're old. Okay, but what they would do is they would, they, that, it's when they would see how many people are actually watching a certain show, and then they'd make their decisions. And so um, I was thinking about it, and the topic I'm going to talk about today is uh, you, if you're a church, you would not teach this on Sweeps Week. Uh, because uh, this is not the most popular topic. But it's a topic that I think gets a bad rap. And, um, you know, there, there's good things in life that get bad raps. You know, either misinformation or a bad experience or misused. And, uh, and so, they, you know, I mean, food can be one of those things. It's like, okay, food's supposed to be a good thing, and yet um, it can become a problem in our life, or we, we can misuse it, and, and then it's like, oh, my gosh, food's evil. <clears throat> or, uh, you know, just about anything. Friendships can be that way. Uh, marriage. I've heard people talk about marriage like, man, it's just a terrible thing. The commitment of marriage is just, just people, piece of paper. It's stupid. And, you know, it's like, actually, no, this is something designed by God to be a wonderful thing. If you're not married, don't worry about it. You can still live, you know, plan A life for you and, and, and God's plan for your life. But if you are married, God wants to use it for good. So, um, Lots of things in life. What we're going to talk about today is, as a church, who are we to be? And there's this one thing that you just can't separate. Being a follower of Jesus in the New Testament means you are open to accountability and you are willing to keep others accountable. Accountability. And I've heard people say, that's stupid. Accountability is stupid. It's a myth. It doesn't exist because... People just lie about themselves all the time. They'll tell you whatever you want to hear. And um, ultimately, if people don't want to be kept accountable, they're not going to be. And that's true. That's true. And there's misuses. And people, you know, feel like, you know, they're, they're the personal Holy Spirit for somebody else's life. And so they're always correcting. And that can be overwhelming and boredom. And you can get hurt. <clears throat> or it can be, it can make you feel unsafe. And so there's lots of misuses of accountability, but we want to look at, I mean, really, what does God think about it, and how is it to look, and, and actually, there's no getting away from following Jesus means I'm going to be in relationships with other people that they're going to help me grow, and I'm supposed to help them grow, and, and that's accountability, and so we're going to dive into it today, and hopefully we'll get rid of some of the fear of it. We'll see what it looks like, and we'll see why. But uh, Matthew 7, verse 5, this is Matthew 7 we looked at 
I don't know, two, three weeks ago, spent the whole um, morning on Matthew 7, and it's a passage about, hey, if you got a log sticking out of your eye, then don't try to help somebody else with a little speck in theirs. And the whole idea here, let me read verse 5. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And the whole idea here is there's an assumption by Jesus as he's teaching this in the Sermon on the Mount <clears throat> that we're going to be involved in each other's lives. And, and we are involved in each other's lives to help each other in our growth towards God. So how do you do that? Well, he's saying your disposition, first of all, is to look at your own stuff. Is to say, okay, um, I have issues in this area and this area of my life. And, and my issues are to look like a log. I mean, the, the, they're to be big to me. Okay? And so then when somebody else has an issue in their life, um, I'm coming with humility. Knowing, hey, I don't see your issues as big issues. I see them as specks. And so I come respectfully, humbly, and to come alongside you gently and to help you with it. And if I'm dealing with the, the stuff in my life, I will be able to more clearly see and help you. All right, so that's the idea. It's just an assumption that that's what we do. You want to grow in your relationship with God, get with other people or followers of Jesus, and together grow. How do you do that? Well, you encourage each other. Um, Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And so we're not only just to be thinking about my personal journey with Jesus, but how can I help other people in that same journey? And so it's, we're not in this alone. And this is different for us. And this whole subject matter is a little bit of challenge to what we're comfortable with. Because we're comfortable with, I am on my journey with God, you keep your hands off of it. You respect my boundaries, and I'll respect yours. You go on your journey, I'll go on my journey. Well, let's not mess with each other. <clears throat> because we are a specter of boundaries, we are individualistic in our journeys, and that's how we approach it. And God's saying there's, there's things that are messed up with that. That's not how I plan to develop you to become more like me. I actually, my plan to develop you to become more like me is to surround you with other people on the same journey and have them help you. And that's, that's more than being in a Bible study together, but that's actually being with people who are sincerely on the journey, who know you and can encourage you and even correct you. And you expect it. And you have that same responsibility to encourage and cheer on and correct your brothers and sisters. That, that's just the given. You can't find examples in the New Testament of followers of Jesus who are not committed to their local faith family and under this kind of relationship. It, it, it's just, it doesn't exist. Independent followers of Jesus don't exist. And so in our world where we're, we are raised consumers, we take that into our church experience and say, okay, really, primarily it's me and Jesus, but I know there's this church thing. I'm not sure exactly why it exists, but I'll just hop around and I'll be a consumer of churches, and, but, I'll, but I'm just kind of floating around. Um, and as we read these passages today, we're going to read a bunch of different verses. Um, 
it's like, does that make sense in light of how we are being asked to live? And it, it just doesn't. You, you can't do what some of these verses we're going to look at today. You can't live under them and be disconnected from a local faith family. You, you can't be a consumer Christian and handle your walk with the God and your faith family as a consumer. But there needs to be a commitment that goes deeper because we're supposed to hold each other accountable. Uh, James 5, 19 and 20, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings them back, let them know that whoever brings them back or brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. He's saying, man, <clears throat> as a follower of Jesus, you see a brother or sister who's, who's struggling and going down a path where they're believing a lie and they're living it out and it, it, you know it's not God's best for them. Help them, help them. And if, if they say, oh my gosh, I, I, know, I know you're right. Thank you for talking for me, and, and I, wanna, I wanna deal with this. I wanna face this now. Um, you've just saved them from an unbelievable amount of pain, and you've also saved other people from the pain of, that they're gonna cause by walking away from God. And so he's saying, man, this is a good thing. It's not only good, but it's what we do. It's what followers of Jesus do in relationship together is God has said, this is one of the primary ways I'm going to develop you in your life is I'm going to surround you with other followers of Jesus and together you're going to pursue me together. And, um, you know, in the Old Testament they say, iron sharpens iron. You know, it's a great verse. You know what happens when iron hits iron? Sparks. I mean, it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable, but it's, who we are to be, and it's who we don't want to be in our culture because this is not comfortable and we've seen it misused and we've seen it not handled well and, or maybe we've even been hurt in the past by it. And so we avoid it and God says, no, don't avoid it. Just do it better. Just do it right and watch me work. So that's what we're stepping into today. I mean, there's a lot of things our culture really aligns with the heart of God, like um, passion for the marginalized. I mean, it's hard in our culture to talk to anybody who says, no, we, we need to help um, people who are hurting and people who are marginalized in society. And um, we, we need to help. We need to step into those needs. And as a church, we believe that passionately. Our, our, our heart aligns with God in that. And, um, and our community cheers us for that. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I think if we left our community, if Rolling Hills just folded up shot, went away, um, I know there are, uh, leaders in our community and people in our community that say, no, oh no. Well, who's going to step into these needs? Because we're, we're stepping into them. We're, we're putting our energy and, and our effort <clears throat> into loving people who are on the margins of society. And um, we're passionate about that. But something God is also passionate about is for us to grow in our holiness towards God together. He's equally passionate about that. And we are passionate about leave me alone and let me do this by myself. Um, but you have no right to step into my stuff and, I, and I, will, I will respect your boundaries as well. And God's saying, no, that's not who I made you to be. And that's not 
how you're going to grow in your relationship with me. And so we're going and stepping in this together. And man, my prayer is that we are, we'll, we'll just be open to hearing from God and that he'll protect us from those lies that distort things um, and that kind of you know, fuel why we can justify not following him in this area. So another verse, Galatians 6.1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So again, it's saying over and over when it talks about this, it's like, be humble. Recognize that you are in process, that you um, are dealing with issues in your life that are hindering your relationship with God. And you have even issues in your life that you're not even aware of that are probably doing that. And so that's our disposition. So if we go to help anybody else who's in that situation, we're not going to somebody that's like, whoa, I'm glad I'm not like them. It's like, no, I'm going to you because I'm you. And um, so I'm coming humbly, and I want to gently, and the whole, the whole purpose is restoration. The purpose is not, I want you to feel, I'm going to try to make you feel so bad that your guilt will turn you away from what you're doing. That's not the purpose. The purpose is, I want to come alongside you and let you know I love you, but also you're on a path that is, that is gonna hurt your relationship with God and hurt you, and it's not God's best. And so what can I do to help you? And I want you to come back. If I shame you, it makes you harder to come back because if, if you ever do you know, wake up to what's going on in your life and say, no, this is, this is causing pain, me and others, and I need to deal with it, well, then you're going to be shamed in coming back, feel like, oh, you know, because we beat ourselves up anyway. But then if you know there are other people, last time you talked to them, they were beating up on you. It's like, I don't want to go back to them. But the whole idea is to, hey, we're safe and we love you and we want to walk with God with you. But remember, we need to walk with God. And here's an area where you're just blatantly, you're off the rails. And so... Um, I want to help you get back on. And as we'll see later on, each step of the way that if a person is just no, 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 straight arm, straight arm, I know God doesn't like this, I don't care, I'm doing it anyway. <clears throat> All along the way, I want to make it easy for them to come back. Um, because I want to lead with love and want him to know God's a God of grace. Um, he built us to be in relationship with him. This area in your life right now is hindering that relationship. It's not God's best for you. Whenever you're ready to deal with it, man, God's open arms to you, and so am I. Um, but there can be consequences that we'll talk about later. Um, okay, so here's the big idea. Accountability in the church is not an option. It's, it plays a key role in God's plan to develop us. And they totally got that. They totally got that in the New Testament. In fact, in some of these verses, it says, okay, do this, do this, do this. And if that doesn't even work, then you're going to ask them to uh, no longer be a part of your fellowship, your, your, your community as a Christian family. And we would think, sweet, I'll just go to another place. 
you know, no, no, no worry there because our commitment together, like I said, it's individual before corporate and that's wrong. It's a wrong understanding. But theirs was, they were understanding that God's plan was to grow me up in this faith family. And if I'm removed from this faith family, I have just severely been compromised in my ability to know and grow in God. And so it was to be an incentive. You don't want that. Face your stuff. And you, you don't have to be perfect. I mean, you're going to fail. I mean, because this room, we, we're all needing to, to grow. And none of us is perfect. And so if this was, hey, uh, you know, disfellowship somebody who's struggling, well, then we'd all. It's like, sorry, you need another pastor. I'm, I'm out. Because there's areas in my life that I still need to get victory in and, and, and need to see God grow me in. But if we're going after it together, man, we're patient. God will work. We'll love each other. And uh, let's go after it together. That's, that's who we are. But if I'm saying, uh, you know, this is an area of my life, I know it's, a, it's, it's an obstacle in my relationship with God, um, but I don't care, then you guys need to deal with me. And we need to deal with each other. And, and so that's how we step into each other's life. Somebody who's just saying, man, I'm blind to my issue, and it's an issue, and it's clear, um, and somebody needs to love me enough to talk to me. All right, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Here's kind of an extreme case, but Paul's talking to the church of Corinth, okay, about something that's going on in their church. And he says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that does not occur even among pagans. A man and his wife are a man and his father's wife. And so it's, it's a man and his stepmother who are involved in a sexual relationship. And they're members in this church. And Paul is saying, and you're proud. Not that you're saying, oh, isn't this great? I, I love this relationship they're having. This is so wonderful. He's saying, no, you're not saying that, but you're saying, uh, you know, isn't God great? He is, he's so gracious and forgiving that you can live however you want to live and be part of the church. That, that's, that's just great. And Paul's saying, uh, no. That's not God's plan for you. And so he says, and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather be filled with grief and have put out of your fellowship the man who did this? And so who is Paul rebuking here? It's not the man and his stepmom. It's the church. And he's rebuking the church by letting Known sin go unchecked. It's okay. It's not my business. We'll just tolerate these things and, and, and just know that God's a forgiving God. And he's saying, no, you, you are committed to be my family. You're committed together to follow me. And so protect that. Help each other grow. Not perfection. But man, in our journey, we're going to struggle to align our thinking and our loving and our living more and more like Jesus. And he will do that transformation in our life and he'll use us in that pursuit. And if somebody is blatantly rebelling against it, then don't let it just sit there. Don't let it, go st don't let it stand unchecked. Um, Corinth was a, 
it was a hot business town. It was um, in Greece. It was on an isthmus that, that connected two um, bodies of water. They even they, they would actually wheel boats over it in you know ships with cargo in order to, for uh, transport to be safety. They actually dug out a canal that took hundreds of years to dug, and then they realized they dug it too narrow, and so ships couldn't make it. A bummer. But um, the, the reason you lived in Corinth is because you were an entrepreneur and wanted to build business. Uh, Corinth was, was um, evacuated for a while in the beginning of the Roman Empire, but then they saw it, it is such a key place. Um, we need to get this place up and running again because of the trade routes. And so people moved back into it because they're entrepreneur, not entrepreneurial. They were, they were business people. And so they came back there. It, it, it grew into a large city. It, um, it had all the pagan worship, the Roman worship. It was a very spiritual city, but very immoral city. And, um, and that bled into the church. Because then when the church was established there, people became followers of Jesus. They were, they be, you know, most became sensitized to, hey, there's things that are happening here that we need to uh, repent of. We, we, we need to realign our lives to line up with God's best for us. And so they were doing that, but then other people were just desensitized in the church. And so the church was just desensitized and they thought this is normal. This is just the way things go. And it's the same, you know, any culture at any time had the same problem of being desensitized to different things. And we had the same problem. You know, we watch any TV show, movie, commercials, whatever. Within three minutes, you're going to see something sexually happening that's not God's best for us. We know that this, this is not how God wants us to express our sexuality. And... So it doesn't, it's, it's aligned. It's not aligned with God's best. Um, and I don't expect it to be because it's not a bunch of followers of God who are creating this stuff. So I'm not expecting them to act like they're followers of God. So it's not a shock, but it's like, okay, I recognize this. But after a while, you get desensitized, don't you? I mean, you start watching things that maybe before you would have been really uncomfortable with and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, well, it's okay. And, and it's, it just, it's, an ongoing issue that we need, to, we need to address, but the church can be desensitized and look like the culture around us in ways that we don't want to look like. That's what was happening in Corinth. The church in Corinth was desensitized and they were just letting it happen like, because this is okay in our culture. And God's saying, it's not okay with me. And we can think, it's not a big deal. And God's saying, it's a big deal. Because it is keeping you, it's hindering you in knowing me and being the person that I created you to be. And so it, it's, it is a big deal. And you're, making, you're, you're taking it as very flippant. And, and that's why he's saying you're arrogant. You're arrogant. You're proud. You're, you're looking at this as no big deal when actually um, it's not who I created you to be. And it's actually not how you're going to flourish. And so I take that seriously, and you should too. So 1 Corinthians 5.12, later on, it says, For what have I to do with judging outsiders? And so Paul's saying, hey, 
the culture around us is the culture around us. I mean, don't be shocked on it. And, and don't be shocked when people who don't follow Jesus act consistent with their beliefs. And I think a lot of us as Christians today, where we get it wrong is we get all upset about all these ungodly people in a post-Christian nation, and they're the problem, and it's just terrible. And God's saying, no, they're not the problem. It is the Christians who are the problem who are not acting as people of integrity because the people who aren't following me are acting with integrity. Their lives are reflecting their beliefs. The problem is when followers of Jesus lives don't reflect their beliefs. That's the problem. That should get your focus. And he's saying, 1 Corinthians 5.12, for what, I, what have I to do with judging outsiders? Well, I don't. It's, I mean, that's between them and God. And so I'm not going to place expectation on people who aren't followers of Jesus. But if we say we're in together, it is, is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? He's saying, we're to help each other. We can't do that unless we notice what's going on in, in each other's lives and want to encourage each other in it. You know, a few weeks ago, I, I let you know about a time where I sat down with a guy who, was, um, who became involved with another man's wife. And he's having an affair. And I sat down with him, and, and uh, I, I was prayed up. I did it because I love him, and I wanted the best for him. And so I approached him that way. And he got angry. He got mad. He got defensive and told me, well, you know, who am I to be a judge? And, and I'm not gracious like God is, and God wants us to be gracious, and I'm judgmental, and um, I'm, out of, I'm out of bounds. And uh, about two years later, I uh, was spending an afternoon with him. And he goes, Bill, what has God taught you this year? And so I told him. I said, what's God taught you? He said, God taught me this year that two years ago, a guy came to me who loved me. And I rejected him and called him judgmental. And this year I, I realized we're to help each other grow. And uh, you were being a loving brother. And I want you to know that that's like about one out of 12 that that happened, that where he came back and said, hey, you, you were right, thank you. Um, usually we get defensive and we get angry. Um, and, but we need to do it. We need to do it in gentleness and humility and love. And we need to help each other face stuff sometimes that we're, if we're just left alone, we'll keep walking down a path even though we know this is dangerous, this is not good, this is not honoring to God. But man, it just feels good right now and I just don't want to give it up. We need to help each other in those situations. Now, one of the reasons, well, you know, as you read this stuff, here, here's what our response needs to be. Aren't you grateful that God loves you so much that even when we're stubborn idiots, he won't let us go? But he says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send my people. Send them after you. Not with condemnation, but with love. 
wanting to gently restore you back into the family. Thankful for a God like that. But he doesn't look at our, our, our sin and our rebellion against him and laugh. He looks at it that this is breaking my heart because it's keeping you from the relationship I want to have with you. And so it's serious, so step into it. So as I was working on this this week, I thought, you know, I, I feel like I need to address um, all the reasons why we say we don't want to do this are in our hearts. We justify not, not approaching somebody about this or we reject somebody talking to us about something. And it's usually because uh, it's done, we do it poorly. or We've seen it done poorly. We've heard about it being done poorly. Um, and then it becomes unsafe. Like, like if, if I did this because I, and I talked to you about an issue in your life that was real and that you need to address, but I was heaping guilt on you and punitive. <clears throat> um, if God ever helped you, you know, opened your eyes to it, you probably wouldn't want to come back to me. Um, but we want to be able to help you, you know, and you think this is not a safe place. I was going through this struggle in my life in this season. Yes, I was messed up, but I was not dealt with in a loving way. And so it's not safe. So I don't feel comfortable going back there. And, and I think there's some things as far as things we do wrong that makes accountability unsafe. And so I just want to talk about a couple of them. First, um, accountability goes bad when we don't keep it private, but instead gossip. Maybe number one on the list. Um, we see an issue with somebody we care about. We're concerned for them. And so who do we talk to? Not them. We start talking to other people. Yeah, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Is, is, oh my goodness, this is terrible. What are they thinking? And then, hey, what are you guys talking about? Oh, well, we, we really shouldn't say, but maybe you can pray for them. Boom. Listen to this, Matthew 18, this is Jesus speaking. 18:15. if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone, alone. If he listens to you, you've gained a brother, saying, we do this privately. We do it privately. If you have a concern for somebody, you go to them one-on-one, in humility and gentleness. And, and you say, hey, here's what I'm seeing. Am I seeing this right? And go in love because you want, your heart is you want the best for him. Not you want to punish him. You're excited because you get to rebuke him. But no, it, it's, you know, because that's, that's an arrogant Attitude. That's an arrogant disposition. That's a, hey, you're a loser. I'm actually more spiritual, and I'm here to help you. No, you go with, man, I don't deserve the grace of God. You don't deserve the grace of God. So grateful. Um, here's something I'm seeing. It's concerning me. Talk to me about this. Is, is, am I seeing this right? And address them in love, but do it one-on-one. Because protect their reputation. Be passionate about protecting their rep- rep- uh, reputation as a follower of Jesus and their character. 
and make it easy for them, as easy as you possibly can to say, you know what, I do want to deal with this. And you feel like you're really willing to help me. Thank you for that. Keep it one-on-one. If, if that was the norm in a faith family, then 95% of issues that need to be corrected would be corrected well. But we don't do it because we're afraid of it, afraid we're going to do it poorly, or we just think, what, what's my, you know, I have no business. And it's like, no, you're the family of God. This, this is our business. This is what we do. We help each other grow. And helping each other grow is much more than being in a small group Bible study where you don't talk about your issues. But we help each other grow. That's who the family of God is. I need it. I, I, one, one of the biggest problems in our country right now that's a plague in our churches, our pastors, who are messing up and aren't being dealt with. And I tell you, my feet are feet of clay. I need people in my life who love me enough to say, this is what I'm seeing, Bill. Are you okay? Are you doing okay? Is there something you need to get right? And not think, well, because, you know, he's in this position I mean, accountability is not top down here. If you look at this, it's side to side. It is brother and sister to brother and sister. And we need, all of us, it needs to be part of our DNA as a family of God. And I need it, and you need it, and we should want it. We should want it. Verse 16, but if he does not listen, take one or two others with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And so you sit down one-on-one, you talk, and they said, nope, not going there. Well, then you go to a couple other people who know them, who love them, who are seeing things that you've seen and who are willing to help. And what this will do, this will save you from embarrassment because it may be they tell you, you know, I think... There's some truth to what you're doing, but I think you're making a bigger deal out of this than you should be. I don't think we should, we should be doing this. And it's like, okay, you'll get some wisdom. Good, that, that's good. Or it'll be, no, yeah, we're with you. We'll go with you. And here's maybe some thoughts about how we can approach him in a gentle and loving way and in a way that he has the best chance to hear. And you go together. You're keeping it small. One-on-one. Small group. Small. You're protecting this person. And you're giving them the easiest, best chance to be restored and to turn back and to start addressing things they need to address. 17, if he refuses to listen to them, then take it to the church. The church, like the whole church, like the big universal church, it's like, yeah, you get on the internet and you just start spreading the news. No, no. Um, <laughs> No, but it's saying, hey, no, we're, we're part of a faith family. And our faith family is, it's organic, but God, God also says it's organized to protect the health of the church. And so then you get your church leader involved. And, and then you go 
and you still keep the, the circle small, but then you go and you say, hey, this is, you know, there's no doubt here. We need to, we need to help you. And are you willing to begin stepping into this? And then it says, if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. And he's talking to Jews and he's just saying that, you know, they will not be part of your fellowship. Why? Because you're punitive? No. Because they're choosing to not follow Jesus when your fellowship is about, God, would you help us become more and more pure followers of you? And so at that point, you're not only protecting the flock, but you're saying, um, for you to be who God wants you to be, you need us, and we want you back, and we, we want to grow together, but you can't be in rebellion to God and function as part of the family. And so uh, they knew that to be disfellowshipped meant one of the primary ways for me to grow as a follower of God has just been eliminated from my life. Maybe I need to rethink what I'm doing. And so it wasn't a punitive. It wasn't, you know, putting a scarlet letter on them. It, was, it wasn't that. It was, we want you to know the seriousness of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And we're on this together. We're on this journey together. And so, man, as soon as you're ready to turn from that, because you know it's obviously wrong, then, man, we're ready for you to come back. Here's another way it goes wrong. Accountability goes bad when we feel responsible to correct every mistake or every misstep. It's like, okay, now, um, you know, we have the Holy Spirit, but now, actually, I think the Holy Spirit has asked me to evaluate all of you. And so I'm just going to be going around and watching, and I'll let you know. And uh, that, that's, that is just so messed up and wrong and arrogant. And so that's, not, in fact, here's some wisdom from Proverbs 19:11. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Well, I thought we're supposed to, supposed to correct each other. Well, we are to correct each other. When I'm in rebellion against God, and I'm just going for it, you, you, I need help, okay? But if I do something that rubs you the wrong way, I mean, just forgive me. And, and let it go. If I corrected everybody for things that didn't, you know, do you have pet peeves? I got them. Okay, I'll, full transparency. My pet peeve are people who don't anticipate. Drives me nuts. Walking into Costco. And all, there's people lined up in front of me and they get to the door and all of a sudden, oh, you want to see my Costco card. When, when has this policy started? You know, and then they start digging for their Costco card. And I'm just going, are you kidding me? You know, it's, it's, it's you know, it becomes a sin in my life. Of, you know, I'm just thinking, okay, this is common sense. This has got to be a sin. No, um, but I can make my preferences into sins. Don't do that. Accountability goes bad when we confuse preferences with biblical truth. Um, by the way, I was thinking about this. Uh, last month, Kathy and I were on, uh, we were camping, and uh, we were talking about different things in our life and looking at the future. And, 
and um, having you know, ongoing conversations about it. And, and it hit me a couple days later that as I'm processing, um, I, have an, I have an anxiety in me due to my lack of trust in God. And, and God revealed that to me. And, and actually it was like, oh, that's it. You are trustworthy. And I'm speaking as if you're not. And so I go to Kathy and I say, Kathy, I was you know, thinking about our conversations. You know, I, I think I'm not trusting God in, in some of these things. You know what she said to me? She said, I know, I was waiting for you to catch on to that. <laughs> and I was like, dang. I mean, she's always, you know, steps ahead of me. But she was patient with me. She, she didn't jump down my throat and correct me. She said, you know, God, I trust God and Bill. And, uh, and she was patient with me. I'm, I'm thankful for that. You know, sometimes we, you know, our preferences become such that we think, well, like personality is a great one. My personality and how I choose to function and make decisions are right. Other people's personalities, I would never do things that way because that for me is just wrong. So I, I, I can get messed up there and start, start making a personality issue into a sin. And it's like, no, 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 that's not what God's talking about here. I mean, Kathy and I, how we make decisions, really different. Okay, so it doesn't matter the decision. Hey, where are we going to go to dinner? It could cause a fight because we make decisions differently. You know, Kathy has no problem. You know, okay, we need to make a decision about this. She wants to move. Emotionally, if we're not moving in order to make that decision, it's uncomfortable. So she needs to buy a pair of pants. By that evening, she'll have 10 different pair of pants laid out on the bed. And then she decides which one she wants. And she has no problem taking nine of them back. But she's moving. She's moving. She's making progress. I mean, it just feels good and right. I'm thinking, hey, I want enough information to know I'm going at least in the general right direction. And so she's going, hey, by the time you get done thinking that through, I will have 12 more pairs of pants on the bed. <laughs> you know? And so it's just how it feels, how it, what our personality feels right in making decisions. She's not right. I'm not right. But sometimes I need to go her speed because we can miss an opportunity. And so I go at a speed in making a decision that's faster than I want because if we don't, the ship's going to leave the harbor. And sometimes she slows down because she knows, hey, it's not urgent. And we can actually make a decision that may, may save us some money. And so we appreciate each other's decision-making process and we lean, lean into each other's. Um, now in, in our decisions. But I used to think she was sinning. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, it's like, town, don't make preferences a sin. And so I don't, I don't, I, don't, I stopped, you know, trying to convince her that actually God made me like Jesus. <laughs> my personality, if he took, you know, like the Enneagram, he would come out my numbers, okay? Um, <laughs> It's like, no, that's arrogant. That's wrong. So last thought for you. Um, who changes lives? 
Who's changed your life? God. God's changed your life. How have you become a follower of his and taken into his family? Only the grace of God. And it's the grace of God that will continue to change your life and change our lives together. And so do not, do not take that on you as your responsibility. What do we take on? To encourage each other, to cheer each other on, to correct each other in humility and gentleness and love and we leave the results to God. Because it's not up to how good I do it for a person's life to be transformed. It is up to the grace of God only in the transforming of their life and my life. So don't take it on. Lift that off our shoulders. But I love you and I care about you and so I want to talk to you about something. Am I seeing this right? My prayer is that as a faith family, this becomes part of our DNA. And I don't hear about 95% of it. Because we're loving each other, one-on-one. We're keeping it private. And we're encouraging each other to become more and more like Jesus. Now, as we wrap it up, um, I'm really serious when I say this is, is, you know, I believe God talks to us and he talks to us through his word. And so we've been looking at his word today and he's talking to us. And, and we just can't let those conversations go. If God's talking to our heart, we need to take it as, man, God, I heard from you today. And so I want to capture it. And what does it mean in regards to how I'm thinking and loving and living? And so I want to give you a chance just to capture that with God. Tell him what it is. Ask for his wisdom and how it, how it applies or how it changes. Or maybe it's really clear to you on what he's asking of you and who you are to be. And for some, um, your, your spiritual journey is you know you're on one and you're learning um, but you're also learning the more you know, the, the, the more you don't know. But you may be at a place where it's like, I need to make a decision. Because I am making a decision in my heart. God, I, I want to follow you. And, uh, and that's a, a first step of faith that uh, God is beginning to make you into the person he created you to be. So I want to give you a chance to talk to God about that. If you've made that decision and God's talking to you about something else, then talk to God about that. But for those of you who want to make that decision to let God know that in my heart of hearts, I want to surrender to you and follow you, then uh, let, let's just bow our heads. And you can pray to God um, just by, you know, in the quietness of your own heart. And just be honest with him. And maybe this is, reflects your heart. And if it does, just talk to God about it. Just say, God, I, I know you've been pursuing me. And I know you love me and you care for me. And I'm starting to understand you. But I also understand that it's not about me cleaning up my life to make me presentable to you. But it's about me surrendering to you and trusting 
in what you've done for me so that I can be forgiven. So I trust in Jesus Christ alone and what he's done for me so that I can be forgiven. I ask you to forgive me. I want to follow you. I want, I want to be the person that you created me to be and have the relationship with you that you created me to have. So thank you for giving me. Thank you for calling me your child. And thank you for beginning to transform me into the person you created me to be. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Father, I pray for us as a faith family. Uh, this is a topic that makes us nervous, afraid, because we've seen misuse and abuse. And Father, would you grow us up to reflect who you want us to be as a family together? I'd ask you to bless each person here who takes steps of faith and trusting you in this area of their lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.